Good morning. Welcome, everybody. So hear the word of the Lord from Exodus 20:13. Do not murder. Hear the word of the Lord from Matthew 5, 21 through 26. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. So if you are offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you are on the way with him to the court, or your adversary will hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out of there until you have paid the last penny. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so we're in the Ten Commandments. Uh, we're in Do Not Murder. Should be an exciting sermon. Um, I just wanted to remind you all uh, that we also are during, it's the season of Lent, so we're encouraging folks to pray and fast and give. And if you want some guidance on, on how to do that, we have some uh, uh, instructions and some, some um, information in the front uh, in the lobby there. Um, so it's just important to have seasons where we're dedicated to prayer and fasting and, and we're giving and our, our Lent fund this year is going towards uh, a project that we're, we're trying to do at Homes of Hope to build uh, some affordable housing on, on a piece of land that we want. So that's just, that's wanted to put that in your, your ear, make sure you're aware of that, and I will get to it. You know, we live in a world that is characterized by violence. Matter of fact, when you turn on the news, the news stories most often are stories about violence. Uh, there was a notable story recently about a, about a lawyer in the low country who was um, found guilty. Yeah, one, one of the interesting things is, and watching the news, I kind of went off on this, this riff a couple years back, and I was like, I wonder what an international news is like. So I started watching news like from Al Jazeera and stuff. I'm like, what y'all, what y'all gonna do? Now this is the time, this is the time of the Arab Spring. There's a lot of revolution going on. And so I was watching the news and I'm used to American news. And when something violent's about to happen, they turn the camera off. Nah, they just showed the whole thing. I was like, oh, man, violence. It's everywhere. It's in our, it's in our neighborhood. I mean, can't, can't escape it. I remember one time I was going out in the yard, we have this, this, there's this individual that, that uh, was, was kind of causing some, some conflict and making my ki kids feel afraid. And we went outside, and I had a baseball bat in my hand. My son said, what you got that for? I said, in case I need to use it. <laughs> the question, the question that, that's one thing that we, we don't have to argue about. We, we can look at the world and realize that it is violent. The question is, how then should we respond? How should we respond to this violence? And and I think Jesus and the scriptures would tell us that we must look to the root of murder and violence, which is anger, and ask God for mercy and deliverance. Let's ask, let's ask the Lord for help. Lord, would you help us to understand your word? 
that we are here, we are needy. We don't, we don't think that, that we know the best. We don't come dictating to you what you ought to do, Lord, but we're, we're longing for instruction. Would you teach us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit today? Help us to understand what is written in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Exodus 20, 13 is a very short verse. Do not murder. It's one of those verses that you don't have to look up. It's pretty, it's pretty, uh, very clear. Some things you read, you're like, I don't know what that means. This one's not one of those things. Uh, but what's interesting is that the Bible acknowledges that there is, there are different, different levels of moral responsibility for causes of death. Now, one, some of the shows, one of the shows I like to watch is Law and Order. Okay, me and my wife, we like to watch Law and Order. And it's really interesting when the lawyers are trying to discuss what to charge them with. They're like, is it murder? Is it manslaughter? Which degree? You know, like, like the, this idea of like, well, well there, there is clear that someone caused this particular death, but was it an accident? Or was it manslaughter? Was it murder? There's different charges and different sentencing uh, verse for, for each particular crime. And, and, and we need to understand that, that the, the, what the Bible is clearly pointing out is, is killing with this anger, this premeditated forethought. That, that is what the Bible is talking about when it says, do not murder. Because the reality is the Bible does have a category for just war. And it does not categorize all warfare as sinful. So, so there, there can be, like David can write a psalm saying, my hands are clean, and he just went and go kill some people on battle. What, what, what is going on? There, there is a category for just war. There's a category for me having a baseball bat and somebody coming up in my yard. There, there's a category for that. But the heart of it is that we don't have animosity towards others, and we're, we're, we're just, just living out of that anger, that premeditated uh, uh, wanting to harm. See, we need to understand that there is a difference between killing and murder, and what it has to do is with proper jurisdiction. Now, let me, let me explain that a little bit, okay? Now, we talk about a lot of time in the church this doctrine of vocation, meaning that, that we all have particular roles and responsibilities, and that they're not all the same. Yeah? They're not all the same. And so, so, so someone, such as a police officer, has the vocation to maintain order. And if, if he or she were to, to kill somebody in, in the effort to, to uphold the law and save life, we would go, well, well that's, that's okay. It's, it's regrettable. It's not what we would want to see, but but there needs to be some responses. But, but, that, but in the same way, we also don't, don't uh, promote vigilantism, right? Like if somebody's like, I'm going to be police today. Who, who, who said you was the police? You're just a dude. I'm going to just go over there and I'm just going to uphold justice. No, you're not. Because of, you don't have that role. That is not what has been given to you to do. That, that is not your responsibility. You've not been certified and you have no accountability in that. That's why there's laws against vigilante justice, right? That, that was one of the major issues with the murder of Ahmaud Arbery. Some dudes just rolling up on him with some guns in the truck. Listen, listen, I'll, if I'm walking down the street and somebody run up on me with, with, with some guns in a truck, I'm going to run too. I don't know you. Who are you? That was the issue. Vigilante justice. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time on the intricacies of that because I don't think most of y'all are killing folks. And if you are, we should have a conversation. <laughs> but we want to get to the heart of that. I, I, I did think it was necessary to explain some of those intricacies because what, what this series is called is called ethics. We need to be able to think 
systematically and ethically about actions. One of the issues that I noticed, particularly in 2020, when there was so much uproar, I realized that what people were doing is they were just reacting in the gut. Something would happen and they'd go, ah! But they actually didn't have a grid through which to look at things and analyze. If you don't have a grid through which to analyze what's right and wrong, you'll be carried wherever the first person says something, you're going to be carried in that direction. But God actually has given us the scripture so that we can have a grid, so that we can interpret things, so that we can understand what's right and wrong, not just by the feeling in our gut, but by something that's external to us. Because I don't know about you, sometimes my gut is right, but sometimes it ain't. So we, we get into this, this verse in Matthew, and, and Jesus points to the source of murder, which is anger in the heart. Verse 21 and 22 says, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who was angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. One of the things that Jesus does is, is he helps us to look for the root of sin. You know, when diagnosing your own sin or when, or when trying to help somebody overcome their sin, it's important to seek and find what is the root. Because sometimes we're doing something and, and the actions might point to this, that, and the other, but there's something going on in the heart. And if we're actually going to have moral transformation, we have to address the evil, the wrong, the misconception, the hurt that is in the heart, right? So the, the, as I meet people who, who have been uh, accused or, or who are actually guilty of various things, as I get to know them and get to know their story and they explain to me why they did what they did, I have a completely different perception of what they're doing. Now, that doesn't excuse if it's wrong or not. But I'm like, oh, that's where you were coming. That's, that, that helps me understand how to address what's going on in your heart. I remember when I was, um, when I was in middle school, I, I had this friend, and every time we would go to the lunchroom, he would steal hamburgers. And he would kind of smile at me, and he would put the hamburger in his pocket. And I was just kind of like, all right, fam, you know what I'm saying? He's like, you should do it too. I ain't gonna lie, I stole some hamburgers. But you know, <laughs> every time he just kind of slipped the hamburger in his pocket, and I was like, that's just how he rolled. But as I got older, I, re I realized, I was like, oh my goodness, he was food insecure. And I, I, I kind of remembered the clothes that, that he wore. I remembered some, some things about his life. I was like, so if I were to address this, just stop stealing I'm not addressing his heart. I'm not addressing underlying issues. Jesus is not simply about outward behavior modification. He wants us to understand the source of our sin. And sometimes, let's just be honest, sometimes the source of our sin is hurt. And now, hurt does not justify sin, but we still need to address it. We need to be honest about it and seek healing so that we don't respond sinfully, even the hurt. See, see, God is the one who searches the heart, and, and he knows if we have sinful anger, even if no one else does. I, I don't know about you. Some of us are really good at hiding our emotions. I'm not always that good at it. I'm not always that good at it. Sometimes I wish I was a little bit better at it. But, but some, I remember some people say, man, you, you're always so calm. And I'm like, man, you knew what was in my heart. <laughs> you would know that I'm not really calm, but I'm glad I could make you think I am. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, no, it, but maybe there's some in here who have no angry outbursts, but, but you're, you're filled with anger. And you might think it's okay because it's hidden and nobody knows. But God knows. God knows. 
He wants to address it. He doesn't just want you to, to put a bandage on it. He wants to get to the heart so that you can overcome the anger, whether it's caused by hurt or trauma or sin or whatever it is. He wants to get to the heart. Now, in, the, in, these, in these sermons, I've been reading y'all some catechism questions and answers. Y'all, y'all get the feeling that I like them. I do. And when we look at the New City Catechism and it says, what does the sixth commandment mean? What does this do not murder? It means, according to this catechism, that we do not hurt or hate or be hostile to our neighbor, but be patient and peaceful, pursuing even our own enemies with love. So, so according to Jesus and according to the catechism and according to the, the traditional teachings of, of the Christians throughout the centuries regarding this commandment, this is way more than, than just killing someone. This has to do with the anger, the frustration, the hurtful words, the rage against someone that might have no outward expression. Nonetheless, that's what this commandment is about. And the reality is, if the commandment is about that, that makes us all guilty at some point, yeah? Now, I haven't murdered somebody, but I have felt real salty about a lot of people. And Jesus says, that, that's what I want to address. That, 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 that is the root of it. That, that is the, the, the cause of the violence. It's really easy to, to look at others and see, see the, the causes of sin and want to blame others. We, we do this um, evangelism tool called the three circles. And one of the things about three circles uh, is, is you start by asking the question, uh, what does the world, should, how, how should it be? And depending on who you are, who you're talking to, it's like good or no killing or, you know, whatever. It's peaceful, no snitching. It depends on who you talk to, what they say, right? And then you go, okay, okay, but what is it really like? What is it really like? And people get real happy about that. They're like, people get lying and cheating and stealing and blah, 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 blah. And then I go, okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, do, do you, Jesus said that killing or murder begins in the heart with anger. And, and do, do you, have you ever done that? Oh, they, they, they way less happy then. Uh-oh. <laughs> so you can't just point to somebody else about the brokenness and the sinfulness and the violence of this world when we, to one degree or another, are all culprits. No one can look at God's law and sit on a high horse. And that, that's, that's the problem with, with, with religious legalism. It's not that, that they respect the law. They actually disrespect the law because they think that they obeyed it when they didn't. If they understood how Jesus interpreted it, and Jesus goes on and, and, and he, he, he kind of focuses on the words, on our words, and, and, and he says that, that our words can express murderous intentions. Look at verse 22. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. See, we may not be guilty of murder with guns and knives, but, but we are certainly guilty of assassinating somebody's character. Yeah? Have, have you ever been gut-checked by somebody's words? Sometimes somebody, some, somebody said something so hurtful to me that, that maybe I didn't show it in my face, but in my heart, I was like, oh, no. And not only that, the words would just linger with me. Weeks would pass by, and I'm like, I cannot believe he said that to me. Listen, our words do hurt people. They have the capacity to express murderous intention. See, this is why gossip is a major problem. It's verbal mob violence is what it is. The issue with, with mob violence is, one, is, is unjust, 
Uh, the person has no way to defend themselves. There's too many of them. And, and, and listen, the, when we're gossiping, what are we doing? We're putting daggers and slicing at someone's character. And they have no way to defend themselves. Words have power. Words can cut to the heart. Y'all know that old uh, little, little nursery saying, sticks and stones may break my bones. Now, listen, I don't want you to hit, break your bones, but I don't want you to speak bad about me either. <laughs> like, let's not do either. <laughs> you know, like, don't hit me. Don't say craziness to me. The reality is, is we, we know this intuitively, that words have the power to hurt and to harm. I was uh, reading about this experiment one time, and and I don't know if it, I'm not a scientist, right? So I'm just going to tell you what I've heard. There was this experiment about, uh, about these, these two sets of plants. And, and it was the same type of plant, and it had the same access to sunlight, and it had the, the same access to water. And what was interesting is they just did an experiment. They had somebody go in there, and to one plant, they said nice stuff. And to the other plant, they said mean stuff. Now, I'm not joking. And, and the plant that had the nice stuff spoken to it, was it a more healthier plant? I'm not joking. Somebody nodded, somebody nodded my head at it. That, you know what I'm talking about. I didn't make that up. I ain't smart enough to make that up. The reality is, is even creation points to the truth of what Jesus is saying here. That, that our words actually do have power to harm or to heal. And the reality is God judges how we speak and what we say to others. We don't have the right to put others down. You are not their owner, their master, nor their judge. We don't have the right to do that. You know, yesterday I was at Sam's. I don't like shopping, so I took a book and I sat down. Rebecca was shopping. And, and when, it was, when it was time to check out, I was like, okay, I'll meet you at the cash register. And I was, I was talking to uh, the, the woman who was there, and she had purple hair. And I thought the purple hair was cool. And I said, I like your hair. Kind of threw her off a little bit. And then so we started talking about it, and then it came out that I was a pastor, and she was like, well, if my pastor had purple hair, maybe I'd go to church. And I was like, well, I mean, that'll make you go to church. <laughs> I'll put some purple in my hair. <laughs> but but, but then, then, then I was talking to, she also said, the thing she said after that is like, you know, I, I'm surprised that you're a pastor because it's most of the time it's pastors that are, that are saying negative things about me because of my hair. And I thought, that's the, of all the things to say to somebody, I said, if they ain't got nothing nice to say, my mama said, keep it to yourself. <laughs> like, it's just, if you don't like a hair, go on about your business. But, but the reality is, is they use their words. Maybe they, it was an offhanded comment. Maybe they didn't think about it very much. Regardless, it painted a picture of the church and Jesus that was negative to her. They didn't hit her. They didn't do her any physical violence. But they did violence to her emotions and violence to her conception of who God is. Jesus says in verses 23 through 26 that we ought to pursue peace with everyone. Verse 23 says, so if you are offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him to court. Or your adversary will hand you over to the judge the judge to the officer, and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Our attitude, our disposition it, it, towards others, it shows actually our disposition towards God. 
to put it in layman's terms, we don't be offering sacrifices, but maybe maybe the person who's singing the loudest and is most expressive, maybe they trip into other people. Maybe they have shown unkindness and a hurt in their words. And God says that worship is fake. It's not real. I'm going to be vulnerable with y'all for a minute. Listen, there have been so many times where I've been, I came to the church to study, and I, but I remember I had an argument with my wife in the morning before, and I said, I better go talk to her before I get up here and preach. I don't want to do that. I'm like, hey, I, I was tripping. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want to be up here offering false worship. The, the scripture encourages us to say, if you want to worship God, live at peace with one another. That is the, that is the, the outwork, the expression of that. And what's interesting is Jesus points out something that, that if we think about it, it's kind of obvious, is that the seeds of conflict unaddressed always get worse. Conflict unaddressed always gets worse. How much conflict would we end if we simply went to speak with the person that offended us? You know, when, when we have this gap of time, when, when, we, when somebody offended us and we didn't say nothing, but we feel in some kind of way in our mind and our heart, our opinion of that person gets worse and worse and worse. And the, the gravity, the offense in our mind gets greater and greater and greater. And we find ourselves in a, in a much thicker conflict than we would have been if we would have just addressed it in the beginning. I, I used to be very conflict averse. I didn't, part of that was I, I, thought, I thought that that was me being like Jesus. Jesus was nice. Be nice to people. And a part of it was just me being afraid of folks. But it caused me so much internal pain, and it did not serve those around me. And I found that when I started addressing, even uncomfortable things, when I started just addressing the things, man, the Lord was doing work in me and into, into the person I was having the issue with. We have to address our fear of other people if we're going to be healthy in our conflict. Yeah? This is some brass tack stuff. This, this is real life. Listen, listen. You, if you have an issue with somebody or you think something, listen, one time, one time somebody came and they said, yo, somebody in the neighborhood mad at you. I was like, really? And the next thing I did is I drove to their house. And I said, are you mad at me? Why? <laughs> like, and we had a good conversation. There was a misunderstanding. But listen, if we, we just need to go ahead and address those things. And we, we don't need to, to paint like, like these pretty Christian pictures that make it seem that to be Christ-like means that you don't handle conflict well. But that we just address them kindly, graciously, and directly. This is how I offended you. Or you offended me like this. Did you mean to? We need to address the elephants in the room. Y'all know what those, sometimes there'll be a conflict that every, everybody knows is conflict. Everybody knows they got beef for everybody, and ain't nobody saying nothing. Everybody knows it. And just go, mm, you know, look at, no, no, no. If there's an elephant in the room, address it. If we do not learn how to resolve conflict, we will have so much unnecessary pain. So much of, the, of, of Jesus' witness to the world it's how Christians relate to one another. And let's just keep it, keep it real. If you've been around us for a minute, we're going to do something that it don't make you happy. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say something. I'm going to put my mouth. Somebody's going to say something or another, and you know you're going to be unhappy. And, and the test of, of if we're Christ-like is not if we never get into conflict. It's how we address it. Right? That we address it gracefully, directly. That, that we can, we can, when you have an issue, you can even say, hey, maybe I even misunderstood you. 
but could you help me understand? That's that's if you were just say, could you help me understand X Y Z? One, you might learn something you didn't know. <laughs> but that is a way to, to diffuse the situation. I remember I, I was uh, going to Walmart. Y'all have the interesting stories about stores. I was going to Walmart, you know, the White Horse Run, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the White Horse Run, Walmart. y'all know what I'm talking about, okay? I was, it was on Saturday morning, and I just had to get one thing. One thing, y'all. I'm like, I'm not a pastor today. I, got, I had to get something to fix something. I'm driving, and I'm walking, and I see... This, this woman, and she has a little baby. She's trying to get in her cart. The baby's like in the cart. She's trying to get her, put her groceries in there. And there's this man that is bothering her. And he had a crazy look in his eye. And I was like, just can't get one thing. <laughs> I just, and, I, and I, my conscience was like, well, you be preaching about this all the time. You preach about standing up for people. You don't need, all right, you know. <laughs> you know? So I went up to the dude. I was like, hey, how you doing? The crazy ass guy on me then. And I was, I was like, I was, I mean, I was talking about current events. I was just talking about all kinds of stuff. And I, I was kind of, you know, I was ready. You know, I was ready. You know what I'm saying? And if, it, if it went there, I was ready, but I didn't want it to go there. You know, so, so, so I was just having all kinds of conversations. Then, then I threw out, I'm a pastor. Now, sometimes that makes people mad, so you never know. But he was like, oh, you a pastor? I was like, thank you. you know? <laughs> and we just had a good old conversation. And, and the woman was able to get in the car and drive off. And I was like, all right, see you later. But to be godly means that sometimes you do have to walk in the conflict for the sake of the greater good, for the sake of the clean conscience, for the sake of helping and serving others. Sometimes that's what it is. Sinful anger is an assault on God's enemies. James 3.9, it says, With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. The way that we treat creation has direct implications for what we feel towards the creator. I don't, so listen, I, sometimes my kids bring me different drawings that they, and sometimes they're okay, you know, but they bring me different drawings that they had. Now here's what I know what not to do. I don't go, that's horrible. I don't tear it up. I don't crumble it. Why? 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 Because cause they understand, like, I made this. And if you disrespect what I made, what does that say about how you feel about me? In a similar sense, when we treat people who are made in the image of God, like trash or, or discard, or, or even if we're so conflict diverse, we're like, we ain't going to do that to him. We're not even going to dignify that person. We're trying to address it. Listen, listen, that is how we treat God. See, the, the, the reality is, is, is humanity really does reflect God, not perfectly, but truly. And, and the worst person you know, there's something good about them. There's something that, that reflects the image of God. And, and what's interesting is I think treating other humans with sinful anger is like burning a picture of God. And saying, God, I love you. Like, you just took my picture. Like, what? No, no, no. The way we treat other people has direct and real implications for how we truly feel about the one who made us. You know, sinful anger, it can also be rebellion against God's sovereignty. Listen to this story that in John. This is, this is the story about John the Baptist. It says, Then a dispute arose between John the Baptist's disciples and the Jews about purification. So they came to John and told him, Rabbi, the one you testified about, who was, who was with you across the Jordan, is baptizing, and everyone is going to him. Lamest term, 
Your church is shrinking, and they all going to Jesus' church. John said, no one can receive anything unless that has, has been given to him from heaven. John could have been angry at Jesus. Like, I was your hype man. I up here suffering for you, telling people about you, and then you took all my church, Jesus. He could have been real salty about that. But John realized that God is the one who gives and takes away. So he really needed to make peace with the Father. The, the anger that he could have felt to, towards Jesus was actually direct, directed towards the one who was sovereign. And he had to make peace with him. Listen, listen, our jealousy and our frustration with others can really be us being angry at what God has allowed to happen. And we actually need to address our issues with him. We have to check our hearts. And, and so much of our anger comes from not appreciating and trusting what God has given us. One of my favorite psalms on Psalm 16, 5 and 6, it says, it says, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. What he's, what he's saying is, like, the property you give me, Lord, is good. And so we, we can look at somebody else's yard, but like, I want that one. But David says, no, look at what you got. Thank God, you have given me this. Now, I know that sometimes when I'm preaching, y'all might have been thinking about this, what about righteous indignation? Sometimes Jesus got angry. How do we, how do we square that together? Right, one of the examples is, is in Matthew 21. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables and the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Is Jesus not breaking the commandment here? He certainly looks angry, doesn't he? Making whips, throwing people. Listen, listen. Jesus, what he did certainly looked like anger. Yet scripture is clear that he did not sin. And the apostles would have been real, looking real foolish talking about he didn't sin, but then writing that he did. Right? So Jesus observed a legitimate injustice and had a deep concern for God's glory and the potential abuse of the weak. Catch this. He, he was concerned about the poor. That, that they were getting charged to be in God's presence. And, and that, that is a righteous and a sincere indignation. And listen, righteous indignation is the proper response to evil. If you see evil and there is no emotional response, there's something emotionally off with you. When you see somebody treated evil, wrongly, wickedly, the, the proper response is, oh, that's, that's not right. Righteous indignation, listen to this, is usually others-focused, though. When we see and hear of abuse and injustice, we are mad. Because somebody's breaking the moral law that we understand is, is written on everybody's heart, and because they are abusing image bearers. How, how, do, how, do I, how can I discern? Is it righteous indignation? Is it anger? Am, do I have a personal vendetta? Am I mad because I'm mad? Or am I mad because there's something greater than me that's happening here? Listen, we need to test if our emotions are righteous or not. Listen, Jesus can be righteously indignant, and he don't got like he he was completely emotionally and self-aware. I don't know about you, but I'm not. <laughs> Sometimes I think I know why I'm doing something, then later come oh, that's not even why I did that. Je Jesus has perfect self-awareness. We do not. So in order to judge our righteous indignation, if it is indeed that, we need some help. Yeah? Like you, you need to go ahead and share. 
what's going on in your heart with trusted individuals so they can help you test your emotions and give you advice of a proper response. We can, we can get a mistake on both parts here. Sometimes I'm, I think I'm righteously indignant and I'll, I'll bring it to my truth teller, Becca, and I'm like, let me tell you what happened. Can you believe they did this? And she's like, you was tripping actually. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Or, 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 or she'd be like, you was right. They did, they were being wrong. But the way you handled that was not right either. We need, listen, I, there's a lot of Christians who would be claiming righteous indignation to be jerks. And, and we, we need each other to help sift that out. Yeah? That, but we don't have perfect self-awareness, but we got each other. And we can tell each other about like, is this, am, am I responding appropriately? Is, should, I be, should I be feeling this? That's such a healthy question to ask somebody. Then we look at Jesus, who never got sinfully angry. Right? When, when he was angry, the people he was angry with the most were the Pharisees. And it's because they were putting burdens on people and putting obstacles in their way to God. He was angry at that. But you'll notice that when it came time to defend himself, the Bible says that he was silent. So, so he was not about, he's not, he's not about defending himself. Listen, they were making up stuff about him. And he was silent. He never responded with sinful anger. And Jesus is the innocent victim of murder. The religious leaders of his day hated him because of their jealousy. Pilate turned aside. He was the innocent victim of rage and anger and ultimately of murder. Yet the death of Jesus Christ on the cross is what God planned for our salvation. Acts 2, 23, Peter's preaching. He says, though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. Listen, listen, Jesus is, is the victim, really, of all the, all the sins in the Ten Commandments. He, he is a victim uh, because he lived perfectly and righteously, wholly devoted to God, and he came willingly and lived among sinners. I don't know about you, but when you live among sinners, you get sinned against. And that's something he did not have to do, but he wanted to do because he was calling sinners to himself. And in that is our forgiveness, our peace. I don't know about you, they're, they're, I have been unrighteously. I'm not going to lie, this morning I was praying about something, and I'm mad at somebody, and I don't even need to be mad. And I'm like, help me. Lord, I, I feel this way. I know I'm not even supposed to feel this way. Lord, I need you to forgive me and take this away from me. We need his help, but he is so present and so faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us. And fundamentally, what we need to do with our anger is, is we need to learn to take it to God. And the Psalms... That's called lament. Lament. There are tons of psalms that if you read them, they just sound like complaining. <laughs> and I can't, help me, I'm about to die. They're trying to kill me. They're tripping over here. They said stuff about me. Listen, listen, he's teaching us this valuable practice of, that we need to take our emotions, our angers, our frustration, all the negativity that we might face. We need to take it to God, and he can help us deal with it, and he can help us heal. We have to process our negative emotions with the Lord. And, and for some reason, they're, they're, it's hard for me to do that. I'll just be honest. I'm like, I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to be respectful. God can't be saying whatever. You know, <laughs> it's hard for me to do that. And one of the things that I have to do is I have to get a journal and I have to write it down because I have issues articulating it. 
But I'm like, this happened, and I don't like that. They said this, I don't like that. I'm frustrated because X, Y, and Z. Listen, and the Lord and his grace draws near to us and helps us sift through those things. See, we, need, we, we actually need each other as well. We need to process our negative emotions with other believers. Again, am I responding right? <laughs> I, need, I need some accountability because my righteous indignation might be sin because I don't have perfect eyes to see my own heart. I think also an application is that we need to use our language to bless and build up others. Jesus says in Luke 6, but I say to you who listen, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Listen, we have to cultivate the habit of speaking kindly to others. It's, it's, got, to, it's got to be something we cultivate because your natural reaction is Someone's like, man, you know, says something crazy, and you're not like, well, thank you. You know, like, like your natural inclination is not going to be blessed, but we have to learn to cultivate this. And we need to even learn how to state our disagreements in such a way as to paint our opponents in the best light. The Lord convicted me. Like, somebody did something. It wasn't even to me. I, I, think it, I think it could have been righteous indignation. I felt like they were misrepresenting God, and, and I was... And I was talking to my friends about it, to some of some of some of the leaders, and and but the Lord convicted me. The more I talked about it, it started it started to slip into to gossip. It started with expressing my, my emotions, but it was slipping. And the Lord convicted me, like, listen, even though even though that person might be wrong, you still have to speak about them in a way that's honorable. And we have to cultivate this habit of praying for those who mistreat us. That's how God weaves that anger out of our heart. That person who mistreated you, that person who said that thing, whatever. Man, if you begin to pray for them, the Lord will open your heart. You might even begin to feel what he feels about them. Love and kindness and a willingness and a posture of forgiveness. That's all I have to say about that, man. I know that's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard work. It takes time. Let's just praise God that Jesus has saved us. He saves us from the sin of murder and anger. He has forgiven us with the blood that he shed. And he gives us the spirit so that we can learn and we can grow. We can grow in love and joy and peace and patience. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are so good to us. Lord, you, you bore the sins of the world. You bore the sins of anger and gossip and slander and hatred. You bore that on the cross, and, and you took it willingly and silently. Scripture says that you were led like, like, like a lamb to slaughter, and you did all that because of your love for us. You did not respond with hate and hate with hate in return. Because of your obedience, Lord, we can be forgiven. So, Jesus, it seems really hard to walk in your footsteps in this area, to, to not be angry, to, to not be, be, be terribly frustrated with others and to have negative thoughts about them. And so, Lord, we need your spirit so that we can follow you in this area. Help us, Lord, to obey you by loving our enemies, praying for those who curse us, so that we might reflect really the gospel, because our sin was an insult and a curse to you. And you responded with love. So help us 
follow you. In Jesus' name.